Good morning, OBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have a super awesome guest, Mr. Tony Wayne. As a professional guitarist in the Lancaster area, Tony Wayne, also known as Anthony Perugini, specializes in jazz, blues, rock, funk, reggae, gospel, musical theater, and more. Tony has played in professional bands such as the Impact Band, Blues on the Loose, Good Stew, as well as many others, along with various contemporary genres. Tony also brings experience as a professional pit musician for musicals. The Dutch Apple Theater, Musical American, oh my goodness, American Musical Theater, and Open Stage Harrisburgs are just a few of the many uh, theaters Tony has played musicals and shows for. Tony has managed and played in many of his own groups, such as the Anthony Perugini Trio, otherwise known as AP3, Tony Wayne Band, Full Circle Ensemble, and more. Tony holds a bachelor's degree focusing on jazz guitar from Lebanon Valley College. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Um, so you have this incredible list of of your work. I got to know, where did it all start for you? Was it as a kid or was it as you as I grew into an adult? I imagine it started as a kid. Uh, kind of. So uh, uh, music in general uh, started when I was in fifth grade. I actually started on clarinet, believe it or not. Um, and I actually played clarinet all the way through high school. Uh, and in ninth grade is when I learned the guitar. And uh, it's actually a pretty funny story. Uh, I was playing clarinet and I wanted to join the jazz band. But in like a high school jazz band, they don't usually have clarinets. So the band director's just like, well, like, you know, we don't have clarinet and we have too many saxophones. So you know, right. saxophone's pretty similar. So probably shouldn't do that. But you know, and I was like, okay, well, what don't you have? Because I was like, I'll play anything. Like, I'll learn it. I don't care. Um, and he was like, well, we don't have a guitar player. And I'm like, okay. So the guitar program at my school was very difficult to get into. So oh, wow. it was um, very, like, everybody wanted to learn guitar. So and there was course, limited, right. limited lesson slots. So um, what happened was that was about halfway through my uh, freshman year of high school. And uh, I had gone to the guitar, guitar teacher. And I was like, hey, you know, I really want to learn guitar and uh what happened was because i went halfway through the year instead of when you're supposed to in the beginning of the year there were a few people who quit so i had oh you had a chance I, yeah, yeah i was able to get a slot so i learned guitar and i i picked it up and basically practiced as much as possible because i wanted to join the jazz band by uh my sophomore year of high school so uh yeah i learned it uh and just like you know since then i've pretty much practiced every single day uh and um yeah i was able to get in jazz band and uh, I realized that the guitar is a lot more versatile as an instrument than clarinet. I mean, I love the clarinet, but, you know, you can't harmonize. You can't play There's only genres. so much you can do with the clarinet. Yeah. So I was like, I felt very liberated learning the guitar, and it inspired me to keep practicing and getting better and learning new things. Um, so it was, I think, junior year of high school that my guitar teacher at the high school I was going to was like, hey, you know, you're picking this up really quick, and you seem really motivated. So he got me set up with lessons at Lebanon Valley College, not to be confused with Lancaster Bible College. Right, of course. <laughs> so um, LVC, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I started taking lessons through then and my senior year of high school, and then I ended up going to Lebanon Valley College. Um, I already had credits there uh, for my lessons, and uh, it meant that I was able to pick all my classes before everybody else. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> So um, through college, uh, I focused on uh, learning jazz, of course, but I also focused on playing in different uh, bands and such. My uh, degree was in jazz guitar performance, so I put a large emphasis on performing. So uh, as much as I was on campus getting work done and you know getting my gen eds out of the way, 
I was also off campus trying to play as much as possible. Mm. Um, and uh, my freshman year of college is when I started the Anthony Perugini Trio. Um, and uh, we played a, I think it was a fundraiser, something to do at my church uh, for a Christmas event. And we basically took jazz standards and <laughs> and just uh, jazz standards and like Christmas tunes and played them. And, uh, you know, that was the start of that. And uh, yeah. And then I got into musical theater I think sophomore year of college, I um, I played Godspell also for a fundraiser at another <laughs> church, which is uh, you know, definitely pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, and then from there, I just basically kept on playing as much as possible. I would audition for so many bands. I think at one point I auditioned to play bass in like a you know cover rock band. I was just like, I was like, well, I'm a performance major, so I better get out there and do it, figure it out. Uh, yeah, and uh, just kept on playing and. Uh, yeah, at this point, uh, you know, from playing so much, you just start to bridge connections and you play with certain people. And, it, it, you know, I always think it's important to show up to a gig knowing what you're doing and playing as best as possible. Absolutely. So, And I've always found that um, the best impression is just, you know, knowing yourself and showing up. And who knows, like, uh, I started playing in Good Sue because, like, the phenomenal bass player of Good Sue uh, played a gig with me that was a day of call for both of us. So we both showed up. And uh, and he was like, well, I thought you were the most prepared out of everybody else. And I'm like, I don't know this band. I've literally like they asked me to play last night for the tonight. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I started playing in good Sue. And it's, it's just crazy how many people you meet and how many people know other people. So you make connections and then you get recommendations. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, wild. I was going to say, yeah, the best way to uh, you mentioned performance, right? And uh, mm -hmm. how to the one of the best ways to be uh, quote unquote successful musician, as in playing in a lot of bands, is practicing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, I always, uh, even with these gigs that were fundraisers, I would always do my best to you know play the best as possible. It, you know, if I'm getting paid nothing or getting paid well, it's like it doesn't matter because uh, at the end of the day, the practice that you put into learning things is going, only going to help you. Yeah, and that's literally what you're getting paid for. You're getting yeah. paid for your years and years and hours mm -hmm. and hours and blood and sweat and tears of practice. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. I've always found myself wanting to play many genres instead of just one because uh, you get kind of... I feel like if I would play the same gig over and over again, like I play the same set of music or something, I would probably go super crazy. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so playing in bands that are flexible, that have different fusions of genres is definitely helpful. And then also... I just playing in a bunch of different bands. So, uh, yeah. So at what point did you decide uh, to make your own band? What was that like as as a freshman, you said? Yeah, freshman in a college. Well, what happened was I was auditioning for bands like right, you know, before I even started college or like that summer and then going into there. And I was really having trouble getting in bands. Um, and I was just like, you know, I was pretty, I mean, I wasn't nearly as good as I am now, but it was decent. You know, I, was, yeah, right. I wasn't bad. I mean, I say that I was probably pretty bad, but I wasn't like horrible. And I was like, well, there's got to be a band out there that I can play in. Like, I've got to be able to play in a band. And what happened was I was like, well, I could probably just make my own band. <laughs> and that'll be the start. How can I be in a Oh, do it myself. <laughs> and it was really funny when I formed the band because uh, I was a freshman in high school or college. Sorry. Um, and uh, I, I was able to get a really good drummer, really good friend of mine, um, Nick. Uh, Kochanik, who lives all the way out on the near the West Coast now, um, but uh, uh, I was able to get him to play drums. Uh, but I wasn't able to find a bass player, and I couldn't get any of the bass players at the college I was playing at to play with me. 
which is really bizarre. Um, so probably one of my closest friends and honestly, probably more of a family member than friend. I'd call him a brother. Uh, Jeremy Blauk, uh, who played mostly guitar, but some bass and some drums as well. Uh, I was like, hey, can you play bass in my jazz trio? <laughs> and he doesn't play jazz at all. But, like, he literally learned it. Like, he worked so hard and was just like, yeah, I'll do that. And he, like, it was just really awesome of him. And so we played that gig at my church with the Christmas music. And then I sent those videos to the Hotel Hershey because I went to Milton Hershey School. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I have an inn maybe <laughs> at the Hotel Hershey because I went to Milton. Yeah. So I sent them these videos of these probably not even great uh, jazz Christmas songs because i was a freshman and i really didn't know anything about jazz um <laughs> and uh and they actually hired us to play in the iberian lounge so i was like well we're gonna learn pretty quick <laughs> um so i got a, a burn on and i i um learned a bunch of you know jazz trio music um and i, I put together you know a band and it was us and then we'd have guests because we actually had enough pay to hire a fourth person and i was oh, wow. like okay well i definitely want to have like different people and stuff so i would play with like really great people too like i would get recommendations of like amazing musicians to play with and i'm like you know blown away um so i would play these gigs yeah and uh, that was that was huge um so yeah once i formed my own band and got some you know i was getting guests in and i was like playing um out a bit uh other people started to hear about me and i had also i had something to put on my resume <laughs> so I was yeah like, hey, that's, that's I important play in this band can i play in your band too and they're like cool I'm like, all right, that'll that'll work. <laughs> so tell me about how you started branching out into different aspects of music. You mentioned you got into music theater. You got into all these different genres. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So funny enough, um, there's a lot of crossover with certain genres. Not all genres, but uh, there's definitely a lot of crossover. So a lot of the musicians around here play in maybe two or three bands. That's what I was saying, especially within mm -hmm. musicians, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when I got, got into one band, you know, one of the horn players might play in, like, this other band. So I'd play in that band, and then, you know, maybe somebody else plays in another band. And so it, it's just this web of everybody, you know. And, and it's really crazy because uh, even gigs that I play with people I've never met before, like on Friday I played with um, an absolutely phenomenal jazz bass player, and I'm forgetting his name right now, uh, <laughs> but he's really good and really well-known in the area, but I've never played with him. And I play this gig with him and I'm like, oh, he's played with like all these people that I know. And I'm like, you know, I say his name and people are like, oh, yeah, he's a really good bass player. And I'm like, I never knew. he. I, I was friends with him on Facebook, but I never knew, knew like, about him. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, so it's just kind of funny um, uh, how that works. And yeah, everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody in the music industry around here. Everybody's is, well yeah. connected around here. Yes. Yeah. Which is wild. So in musical theater, I played. Yeah. The first gig I played was Godspell at a church in Landisville, and I met tons of musicians there, and one of which was uh, Dave Warfel, who's well-known in the guitar um, playing in musical theater around here. And when I, we were both playing guitar because it was Godspell, there's like three guitar players. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, and he was blown away by what I was doing. He was like, you know, it, once again, that, that gig wasn't paid. <laughs> we, right. we did it for free, but... Um, but yeah, he was blown away by what I was doing. He was like, hey, like, you know, if I have gigs, I'll send them your way. So I started subbing for him and, uh, you know, I'd play with other people and meet them and they're like, oh, wow, you're really good. And then they would recommend me for things. And, um, yeah, it's pretty funny with Dutch Apple, which is probably the most consistent theater I play at. Um, 
uh, it was Finding Neverland and JP, who I knew but didn't know. Like once again, one of those things where mm-hmm. okay, friend of I was friends with him on Facebook, but I didn't know who he was. He asked me. I remember it clearly. It was a Wednesday. And he asked me to play guitar Wednesday evening for this show. I've never heard of in my life. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I've never heard this music or played it before, but if you think I can do it, then I'll show right. up and do it. So I showed up, and um, I'm a decent sight reader, so I was able to read through the book. And um, I I feel like that was basically an audition, and he was impressed with what I did. He really liked what I was doing. So uh, I think I filled in for a few Finding Neverlands. And then the next show they asked me to play, they asked me to do the full run, which is really cool. And I was like, wow. Um, and that was um, Grumpy Old Men, mm. which got shut down by COVID and then came back. <laughs> and that's super fun. But since then, at Dutch Apple alone, I've played um, On Your Feet. I've played Happy Days, Grumpy Old Men, I mentioned, um, Rock of Ages, Beehive, Mamma Mia, uh, and uh oh yeah playing chicago right now yeah <laughs> shout out uh dutch apple theater We're playing chicago you should go check it out for sure mm-hmm. and i'll also be uh playing guitar for um the next show which is saturday night fever so oh, wow. that's uh coming up uh halfway through this month yeah september 17th is the last show for chicago and then and we uh open <laughs> saturday night fever the next week which are two very different genres very, uh, very much yeah. so chicago's uh the nice thing is another thing about the different genres is um uh in musical theater like you know we were chatting before uh you mentioned musical theater has so many different genres so earlier this year i played rock of ages which is 80s hair metal which mm-hmm. is not like i mean yeah not like my favorite genre or whatever but yeah I, it's fun yeah it's <laughs> super fun yeah <laughs> it was it was a blast and all the actors were amazing and you know obviously like we were playing with a live band so it was just all you know live and jp is a phenomenal conductor and piano player so it was just like this is great this is a good time uh, and now I'm playing Chicago, which doesn't even have guitar. <laughs> I'm playing banjo, ukulele, and mandolin. And uh, it's um, 20s-style um, yep. uh, plectrum banjo, which is fun. So so I'm curious, what's one of your favorite stages that you've played at? Oh, that's a good question. In uh, regards to theater. Theater. Uh, well, I uh, my experience at American Music Theater was also a day of call. It's so funny. Some of these opportunities are like, you know someone who knows someone, and they need a guitar player ASAP, and if you're yep. available and you're able to put yourself out there. You just say yes. Yeah. So one of, um, my, one of my favorite local guitar players and probably one of the best, if not the best local guitar players, um, Andy Mowat. And in 2019, uh, around Christmas time, he got – the flu of sorts and he was mm. very 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 sick um and he called me on a saturday day of and i i think i had something but it was canceled last second which i was bummed out about but yeah he called me he's like hey i need a sub for the show and i'm like oh when do you need it you know sub for and he's like today i'm like <laughs> oh okay so um american music theater is a massive theater with thousands of seats and uh and i that was probably one of the coolest stages i played in but what wasn't cool was sight reading the book in front of the you know 1500 people <laughs> right of course <laughs> on a saturday night but um yeah that was a really cool stage to play on um and now actually one of my really good friends and also phenomenal guitar player and probably one of the best in the area um yang han uh he usually plays guitar for american music theater and he's just absolutely great and uh yeah he's a great person and also a great guitar player so i'm like super happy for him uh, but yeah, it's, it's such a cool stage, and um, I think that might be, as far as musical theater goes, probably one of the best. Dutch Apple's interesting to play at, though, 
Because yeah, was, the, the pit and everything, yeah. Yeah, like Rock of Ages, we were on stage with the actors. Oh, wow. I had lines. I was mic'd. <laughs> you were an acting musician. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty crazy. I got to, you know, um, knock Stacey Jacks off stage. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, and like, and call them funny names and stuff. It, it was pretty cool. It was uh, definitely out of my comfort zone, but also, you know, you got, you got to go outside your comfort zone sometimes. Absolutely. And right now for Chicago, we are on stage as well, but we're like kind of a band on stage like a bandstand yeah but uh you know the actors still interact with us and like you know it's so fun because they're all like super professional and really good so it's fun to like chat with them and like you know oh it's so cool you guys are doing all this crazy stuff and you know i'm sitting here playing banjo (laughs) (laughs) you're doing good (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah and they 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 appreciate us so much they're like you guys are great you know like you know it's super fun so uh yeah dutch apple has very different stages for different things and you know uh most of the time we're in in a pit um in front of the stage and that's pretty interesting too because you see a different side of the theater that you wouldn't normally see so so uh, we had this conversation with JP when I had him on the show of how um, guitar or piano might be one of the hardest instruments to to read because they don't know yeah. what they're doing. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, people write stuff that's just impossible a lot of times. Um, I've, I've like, I can sight read a lot of stuff and expect if it's well written music and it's like, okay, you know, someone who someone knows what they're doing who, yes. wrote this, I can sight read it no problem. But in, in a lot of musical theater stuff, people just like, I don't know. They'll like, figure it out. Yeah, like, you know, West Side Story obviously is a phenomenal show. And the guitar book is just like, yeah, we'll write these chord voicings that are, are literally impossible. They're cluster chords that you'd need um, a, somebody, a hand span. This of, say, somebody <laughs> literally went to a piano and said, okay, this chord. Yep, and they just copied and pasted it to the guitar book. And I'm like, that's impossible. So um, I've found in musical theater and sight reading music in general, um, it's very important to read the music but also utilize your ears, play in context of the musicians around you, mm-hmm. and also um, take it for a grain of salt. Like, um, I don't think a lot a of guidebook. guitar music is, yeah, I don't think they write stuff literally. I think they're like, hey, this is a suggestion, and play something that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And I always check with JP. I'm like, hey, can I play this? He's like, I don't care. Does it sound good? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it sounds good, I think. So <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a suggestion. So as a guitar player in musical theater, I think it's important to use your musical skills, use your ears and play what makes sense instead of like taking the book as like, this is exactly what, yeah, exactly. Like this is as written, this needs to be respected and played exactly hundred percent. Now, certain music, certain styles of music and certain books, they do write that. Yeah. Yeah. So for on your feet, for example, the Miami sound machine literally were in part writing that music. So the guitar player of Miami sound machine sat down and make sure that that was what he was playing. Yeah. So with that book, I'm like, okay, uh, like they showed me respect by writing it exactly how they want it. I'm gonna show them, show them respect by playing it as, as they want it. But for Rock of Ages, um, Rock of Ages, it was very specific, but there's also openings for solos. They're like, hey, do fills or do a solo here. Um, but the parts that they did write out, they did write out pretty meticulously. So it was like, okay, I better learn this as it's written. And another good reference I use is um, if there are Broadway cast recordings, I'll listen to that and see what the guitar mm. player is doing. 
So for Rock of Ages, I listened through the whole recording and I was like, okay, they didn't play this as written. They didn't play this as written, so I don't have to. <laughs> right, right, right. If, if the people in Broadway did it, yeah, it's okay if I do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's a good reference for a more guitar-driven show. But a lot of shows, like Grumpy Old Men, like, they didn't know what they were doing. Right. They, they were like, most of the songs were just like slashes and chords. They're like, I don't know, play something. Okay. <laughs> make it make it sound good. Yeah, exactly. That's JP. As long as it sounds good, I don't care. <laughs> uh, truthfully, that's that's what, if, listen, musicians out there. <laughs> For real. If though. you play anything, make sure it sounds good. As long as it sounds good, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's what matters. It's, it's not, like... it's jazz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that that's a blue note. I don't it's know what you're talking blue about. Blue. <laughs> so speaking about writing, you yeah. write your own music. I do. So uh, I have uh, jazz compositions that I've written through college and everything. And uh, more recently, I've been writing more rock stuff. Uh, and um, actually, we were talking about uh, an album that I have coming out next month uh, in October um, called uh, The Mask of the Red Death, which is uh, themed around the Edgar Allan Poe short story. It's a full-length concept album that tells the entire story uh, through music and narration, which is pretty pretty big for me. I don't I haven't gone that far. Usually, I write you know songs, right? Yeah, <laughs> or like jazz charts. <laughs> so this is pretty next level uh, as far as composition goes. And I actually um, I studied composition in college, but um, I graduated early and I needed to take one more class to get the concentration, and I missed it because mm. I didn't have enough space in my schedule <laughs> and i didn't want to stay for a whole another year for one class but that's almost a, had that that's another thing for college students make sure you plan out your semesters i didn't yeah. i took that for granted i really did yeah uh make, yeah make sure you plan out your semesters and get what you need and get what you want your mm -hmm. ask your professors when a class is happening they'll let you know yep yeah very important to schedule everything and be organized because uh yeah, I mean, I, I to be fair, I um I graduated early. I was um I was class of eighteen and I graduated in seventeen. Mm -hmm. Um, and the problem was they have classes that happen every other year. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. I was like, uh, and um and you need prerequisites too. So it was just like this class. Right. It was it was just not meant to be. Because uh, I wanted to do part time for my last semester just so I can get in and get out. Um, and uh, yeah, it was pretty wild, but. Almost, but yeah, plan out your like years ahead. You should probably have your classes organized. Yeah, and it's not that it's not that. I mean, just email the professors there. They're they're gonna help. They're there to help you. That's mm -hmm. something people don't realize enough that your professors are there to help you. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, I still I still talk to my professors. Yeah, in me college, too. Yeah, for sure. I uh, too. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> my um comp instructor. I sent him uh, the music that I composed, and I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. And yeah, stuff like that. And um, I have a lot of respect for um the professors at Lebanon Valley College. I'm sure here at uh, LBC as well is amazing, but the Lebanon Valley College music professors are just unbelievable and um all just amazing. And I just I, I took so many private lessons with so many different people because I was just like, you're really good at what you do. I want to have some you. of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I'd argue that would go for, like, any professor anywhere. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And especially if it's, like, a smaller college. Cause yeah. That's more feasible. But uh, if you know a professor, be like, hey, I want to learn more about this. Can you, you want to tutor me on the side or whatever? Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'd be open to it. Absolutely. Take, take advantage of, of, you know, the people you have around you because it's not going to happen otherwise. Yeah, yeah. You I don't mean take yeah. advantage as in, like, Oh, yeah, exploit. Don't, obviously. But <laughs> obviously. But if they're there and they're willing, mm -hmm. use it. Yeah. It, that's the way you move forward. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So tell me about uh, this concept album that we have. we have one of your, we have some of your songs. This is yeah, 
unreleased. This is yeah, exclusive. this is exclusive. Yeah. Uh, so these uh, these recordings are not released yet. And uh, um, Corey Rosen, I uh, was just like, hey, you know, I have this album, and he's like, am I allowed to share this? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's my own album. I can do whatever I want with it. So I was like, hey, man, you know, we can uh, share some of these songs. Um, the first single from the album will be released on Friday, but we're actually not going to play that one today. We're going to play songs that will not be released until October 1st. When it is released, the whole album will be up on every major streaming. You got your Spotify's, mm-hmm. your Amazon's, your iTunes, your YouTube Music's. Um, it will be on all that stuff and more. So um, whatever you use, it's probably going to be on there. It's going to be, um, it's called The Mask of the Red Death by Tony Wayne. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, this album is... Uh, probably my magnum opus for now until i write something more interesting it's uh it's pretty amazing um and i had a lot of really amazing musicians play on it um my good friend and like i said my brother jeremy blauk uh played bass and drums on this album and uh you know played through my crazy insane compositions and i'm like hey can you play this on bass he's like see it's, yeah. it's, it's when you're sat in that position <laughs> like oh i can't believe they wrote this and then you have to write something and like Oh, I understand now. Yeah. It's like, actually, that sounds really cool, even though it's really hard. <laughs> um, and the drum stuff he came up with is, is crazy, too. Mm-hmm. I wrote some of that out, but, like, a lot of it, I was like, okay, you know more about drums than I do. Like, you <laughs> just go off. Yep. Yeah, do, do whatever do you thing. want. Do your thing. And then I had some other artists, Morgan Hackett on violin, who's a phenomenal violin player from the Harrisburg area, and we went to college together. Um, and one of my favorites, Nate Petley. Mm. Shout out Nate Petley. He's so good. He's good. One uh, of the best accompanists. Yes. Around. He's busy, but if you can hire him, hire him. Yes. He <laughs> will do a great job. <laughs> he's like, he's like probably one of the best piano players I know. Um, and he played like jazz organ and stuff and just he's insane. Yeah. Blew out of the water. And then, um, uh, oh, Brandon Miller, the drum player at uh at dutch apple played percussion on some of the songs so and he's phenomenal and like jp and him and i are all like you know we're we're the yeah we're together in the pit and we have a lot of fun uh when we're all together it's it's a blast and um uh and then i think that might be all the musicians we played the narrator is a guy named jake Uri from britain and he actually uh has an ebook uh um of edgar Allan poe works Mm. uh and one of the works is The Mask of the Red Death. And it's just like probably one of my favorite ebooks. And he was really, really kind and let me use his recording of The Mask of the Red Death on the album. Uh, I wanted to get a live narrator, but the audio quality for it just didn't work out. And uh, they were also overseas. So it was right, of course. Yeah, I was like, ah, darn it. Like, I just record you myself, but you know, I can't fly you out here because I definitely don't have the budget for that. Right. <laughs> I have no budget for this album. Um, but uh, uh, I did pretty much everything myself. <laughs> um but uh uh yeah jake Uri let me use those recordings and like sent me a high quality you know audio file with everything and i was just like you are probably the nicest person i've ever met like i really appreciate it and um and then uh oh and then i had um michael miller do uh live voice acting on one of the songs that we have today um and uh yeah, and he's a phenomenal songwriter, singer, just really good singer. And you can tell by his voice, even in voice acting, that he just blows it out of the water. I think that's everybody, because I did everything else. Uh, I played the guitars and the. I played a lot of synthesizers. I didn't get Nate to do that just because it would be like time consuming. Right, like, of course. Anything I can play on the keys, I'll just knock out ahead of time. And that's some of the simple piano stuff I did. So you can always draw in extra stuff if you need to, right? Mm, exactly, yeah. So there's a lot of layers in this album. I. 
decided that even if it's impossible to play live, I want to make it exactly how I imagine it in my head. Yeah. And so, because there's always something to be said for what's the fi- what's the final product that you want on all things, and then what's actually playable. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I can definitely am. Um, Working on reductions of the music to be able to perform it in an ensemble. I'll still need like I think five or six people, but um, <laughs> but still. yeah, yeah, it's uh, but um, but you know, for the recording, it's like you know, I if I want you know, there's violin on like half of one of the songs, but I wanted violin on that on that right, part yeah, of the song, just, like you know, it needed to be there. Mm-hmm. You got it at some points, especially when you're recording something. You have to service the music, right? Right. It doesn't matter what's feasibly possible for the recording because it's a recording. <laughs> yeah, that's what's there for. And I mean, as a composer, like you know, I felt that uh, originally I would try and record stuff that's plausible, but it got to a point where I'm like, that's not what I want. That's not the point. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I kind of realized um with uh, Tony Wayne, kind of a rebrand that I did. One, because people can't spell my last name. But one, another reason, because I was making music that was very different than what I was making before. So I was like, all right, we need a different name for this. Um, uh, the uh, the themes that I try and live by and write by for that music is music without compromise and mm. art for the sake of art. So that's, that's kind of what I like when I sat down to write this album, like music without compromise, art for the sake of art. You know, write it down over and over. <laughs> What's Church Father said something similar? Do you? Do you, do you know? No. Oh, one of the, one of the church fathers was very. Uh, that sounds so. Oh, I I, you know, going to Lancaster Bible College, yeah. learn a lot about the church fathers. And it, it sounds so similar. It's like yeah, faith without uh, any compromise or whatever, some something like yeah. that. Oh gosh, there's a very that's spiritualness a good of um of music. It's a like yeah, very similar to religion. And um, in Christianity and stuff like that, it's it's a uh, yeah. So that's kind of where the philosophy that I come from. I'm like, okay, you know, music without compromise or yeah, for the sake yeah. of art. So that's what when I wrote this album, that's what it was. It was like you know. And the interesting thing is, there's not a lot of like impressive guitar playing. Uh, I didn't feel mm-hmm. the need to go. Okay, I'm going to shred or I'm going to play stuff that's impossible to play or whatever. It was pretty much like, okay, what does the music need? Music. I have these yes. compositions. I wrote a lot of it out in sheet music. I was like, what do these what do these compositions need? What do they call for? And I'm like, I don't think they call for shreddy guitar. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to let your ego you yeah. know, beside or your talent beside and mm-hmm. say, okay, uh I it would and it would be awesome if it required it, but yeah. it doesn't, so I'm not gonna overbear it mm-hmm. and make it worse. Right, yeah, by, exactly. By by showing off. Yeah, just showing like basically I was like, okay, what does the music need? I think the music needs this. So that's what I played. I was like, okay, that's what I'm gonna play. And yeah, like putting ego aside and playing, you know, what the music calls for instead of, you know, all the crazy stuff that you can play. Mm-hmm. That's also very important in theater, too. Like, yes. um, I find myself raining back. I mean, except for Rock of Ages, that was completely obnoxious and uh, just shreddy and stuff. But he had it. <laughs> the music called for it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's, what it, that's what it needed. Um, but uh, for, for my, um, for any other musical, like for Grumpy Old Man, it was, I wasn't like, sitting here like, oh, I got to shred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, it's a, the music's kind of folky and kind of chill and like, you know, and, uh, you know, just music calls for it. And there are opportunities, I think, in many genres to, uh, to, to explode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to have fun and like, you know, not that it's not fun to not, you know, yeah, but yeah, right, you yeah, can yeah. open up and play. Time in a place. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we have the second one um, from your album, Theme of Prince Prospero. Yep. And this is one of the few songs that actually does have maybe not shreddy guitar, but singy guitar. Um, and uh, in this composition, uh, you'll hear a good representation of the narration uh, and you'll hear a good representation of... Um, 
uh, the uh, oh, the music in general. Uh, you'll hear it go through different sort of phases as the story tells. So I figured this would be a good representation of like, hey, this is sort of what the album's about. I think it's one of those albums you should probably listen through the whole thing. It's about 35 minutes long. That's what I was say, because it's, it's a whole story. It's a right? story, it's yeah. A... So it's a little out of context, but it's a, you know, I think it's a good representation of what's going on. With that said, this is a theme of, is it Prince Prospero? Yeah, okay, yeah cool. Prince Prospero. By Tony Wayne. But the Prince Prospero was happy and dauntless and sagacious. When his dominions were half depopulated, he summoned to his presence a thousand hale and light-hearted friends from among the knights and dames of his court, and with these retired to the deep seclusion of one of his castellated abbeys. This was an extensive and magnificent structure, the creation of the prince's own eccentric yet august taste. A strong and lofty wall girdled it in. This wall had gates of iron. They resolved to leave means neither of ingress or egress to the sudden impulses of despair or of frenzy from within.
And that was theme of Prince Prospero. Yeah, yeah. Prospero. Um, that, that's incredible. That's... I don't even begin with that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going. It's a pretty dense song. Yeah, I, I was I was listening to. I was thinking about. It, I was like, that's not a that's not a normal time signature. Oh yeah. So the time signature actually changes a lot. A lot. Um, yeah. Throughout the piece. So I think the ending is in seven. Yeah, that's um, what I, that's what I was thinking. It was mm-hmm. in seven. Yeah. I think the part in the middle might be in eleven or thirteen. The uh, the with the um, synthetic flute. Um, I think that part might be in that. I know it's in a weird time signature, but I'm actually blanking on what it is. And then at the end, I don't know if you caught it, but it goes seven, six, six five, five, four. four three, yeah, yeah, two. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like trying to. Oh, it's getting shorter. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah. I just felt like it worked pretty well as an ending. It um, it makes sense that it's kind of dying out and like you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, the songs after that, it, the the story takes a, a dive back to a more chill place for a minute. It, like, explores this, like, oh, like, there's this nice things happening, and then it gets a little dark, and then it's like, oh, no, no, no it's okay. And then later in the album, or, you know, in the story in the album, it gets more dark. <laughs> um, As is that Edgar Allan Poe? Yep, yep, exactly. This is. The beginning of the song, where it, it sounds more like a, almost like a trumpet, and there's um kind of a, a lot of counterpoint going on, that part is the, like, theme, the actual mm. theme of Prince Prospero. So I imagine, like, you know, it's this like royal prince, and he's very cheerful, and he's very just like arrogant, and uh, he. But he has this little like you know uh, uh, theme of uh, you know royalty. Yeah, right. Um, so it's kind of that um, that kind of vibe there, um, and uh, that's his actual theme. And uh, this album, I used a lot of like themes throughout the album that make a reappearance, and that theme. Like motifs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Motifs. Yeah. And that motif makes an appearance later, but in a very different light. Um, so, uh, you know, using the um, or having the use of major and minor and also the, the actual like speed, the tempo of a song and then also uh, different instrumentations and such. So, yeah, for those who ever want to get into like stuff like film scoring or stuff like this, mo- you need to have your motifs. Yeah. Explain the importance of motifs. Yeah. Oh, motifs are super important. So uh, um, the concept is like you have these themes or these ideas that reoccur with different characters or different They can plots. be short or long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And they can even be rhythmic motifs. They can, yes. Uh, the rhythm motif of uh, at the end, that's a motif uh, that actually goes with the Red Death, the other mm. character in the story or one of the other main characters. Well, it gives it so much more meaning. Mm-hmm. And it, it reoccurs. And uh, that's, you know. that's the point. Mm-hmm. Jeremy <laughs> uses that rhythm uh, you know, in different uh, sections with the Red Death or like uh, variations on it. So it kind of... Uh, you have these different themes that pop up and reappear, and even from like uh, you know non-composition or whatever in um, any kind of music, oh, I think sure. it's, it's important to have that repetition and also you know. Um, uh, well, this is a full-length concept album, so the idea is like you know the, these concepts and themes reoccur and come back and song. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's that's why you should listen to it as a whole piece. Yeah, if you really want to get into light motifs, um, Wagner was one of the best light uh, motif user of all times. Um, but listen to classical music. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. You mentioned r- rhythmic movements, and one of those, one of the ones that popped up was uh, Bach's Fifth. Yeah. What was that Beethoven? Oh, uh, Beethoven. Oh, yeah, it was Beethoven. Yeah, I was going to say. Bach doesn't sound right. But that's the rhythm motif. It's da-da-da-da, and the pitches don't matter. It's da-da-da-da. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It, it's, it, it uses to powerful effect. If you've watched any movie, Darth Vader's theme pops up, you know, Star Wars all the time. Mm-hmm. A- anytime the Empire, whatever, whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's so important. And that's and that, it's it's the hook that grabs you in. If you want to get in, it's like, so if you want to get into playwriting or uh, musical writing or stuff like this, which is more of just background music. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably what it should be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it should... Um, Learn your motifs. Learn how to manipulate them. What are some ways that you manipulate yours? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I mentioned, you know, using rhythmic motifs. Um, there's also the use of um, having melodies that switch between different instruments and mm-hmm. such. Um, and also one thing that's a little less explored and a little harder to describe is actually the feel of certain things. Um, so having that kind of fluty feel and the dance section of that song where it's like, you know, uh, there were ballet dancers and you know, there's a, um, that kind of a feel is uh, explored later as well. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I mentioned um, having the theme of Prince Prospero. Uh, the interesting thing about a theme is it could be rhythmic, it could be the melody, and you don't have to play it exactly the same. No, so later, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Later on the album, you'll hear, like, the beginning of this song is more of a counterpoint thing. There's different melodic lines going around the main melody, and uh, even the bass is playing its own melody uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, it holds down the bass, but it's also, you know, playing these little melodies, um, and uh, it gets tossed around a bit. Um, but uh, on the later part of the album, it's a lot slower. It's um, the uh, uh, Prospero's Demise. Mm. So, no spoilers, but if you know the story, there's a part where... Yeah, something happens. Um, and uh, his theme uh, reappears, but now it's very slow, and it's in minor. It's the same theme, da 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 da. da. Yeah, but it's in minor, um, and uh, and it's just kind of more dramatic and uh, you know less cheerful and and up. And uh, you know, it's uh, that's the kind of you know you can explore those different things. And themes can be really um, easy to find. It could be like a very obvious theme, like. In a lot of musical theater books, you have like a reprise that literally, literally is like is, a small yeah. portion of the song, and it's like, okay, that's pretty on the news. But you could also be more discreet about it, like using the uh, rhythms that you introduced earlier, but in different time signatures. But it still, ha- if it still has that feel, you know, it still gets the same point across. So. And especially if, because you gotta, you gotta know this that the motif supports the character or the action mm-hmm. that's happening on screen, mm-hmm. right? So. You can use the whatever you whenever the character's on screen or doing something of note, that's when is the appropriate time to do that theme. And mm-hmm. you, you can do it to service the story, right? right. So if, if the if the person is confused, you, you get it all janky. If this person has changed, you change the, the motif slightly. Yeah. It's still the same it's still the same motif. It's a mm-hmm. variation. It's a, maybe it's more improved, maybe it's more refined, maybe it's more shaky, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Uh and for uh, and that's what you that's what developing and that's something a lot of people I don't think understand is yeah uh, that's that's something that took me a long time to wrap my head around was and I still I'm still not there yet uh, was how do I make a theme and then how do I develop it how do I because it's like when I have a theme in my head or when I ever li- I listen to like the old the old guard shall mm-hmm. we say uh, of music um, they are masters at taking one theme and making it into something that's Almost to an untrained ear, it's unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, but when you can look at the notes and re- reduce it, and it's like, oh, that's literally the theme, just with a bunch of arpeggios and all this other mm-hmm. quote unquote nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, sometimes that makes sense. Yeah, but... sometimes it makes sense, but learn how to make your themes and variate them, and this is going to help you in your songwriting as well. Yeah, absolutely. One thing um, kind of in the light of that, but a little bit different, is um, improvising in solos. Um, it, you know, I play a lot of blues and jazz, um, mm-hmm. and in those genres, there's a lot of improvisation. Um, and in blues in particular, uh, one thing that I've been exploring, because um, coming from jazz into blues, like, obviously, as a guitar player, you know, everybody learns some blues or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you know, actually playing, like, with blues on the loose, who's, like, they play pretty legitimate, like, okay, this is blues, this like, is specifically, blues, like, actual. you know, and not, like, blues, funk, or blues, jazz, so which I absolutely blues. love, like, um, but but also it's just, like, you know, straight ahead blues, um, you get rid of a lot of the stuff that can kind of make it, um, you know, like, in, in uh, funk blues, for example, you can do a lot of funky stuff, and that kind of gives you uh, some stuff to work with but mm-hmm. with regular blues uh the guitar in, in a solo can be very exposed um so what i've found myself doing is working on the idea of exploring a theme like i'll start a solo and i'll maybe like repeat the same thing i just played but with a different rhythm and explore a theme um and and also i like to break it down and kind of simplify because i could sit there and shred all over a song for the entire solo but no one wants to listen to no that <laughs> they, they, i mean maybe some people do but they want to be intrigued yeah you know, yeah i want to i want to you know maybe i'll use that as a tool later in the solo but starting off maybe start off with three notes what can i do with these three notes to make them sound good listen to all the the top soloists and they're doing exactly mm-hmm. that uh i think one one and one of Oh, who there was a sax player or a trumpet player. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Louis Armstrong, but it could have been. Uh, but what what they would do is just play. This. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I know okay, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. I uh, love Miles. Just one note. Oh yeah. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Different rhythms. Just one note, and it's and it's incredible how yeah. he how he because it is Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do so many things with one note and time. Yeah. And and the feel and just the articulation yeah, and all so of that. Many so PB King's another good example yeah. as far as guitar goes. Um, you know, like if you break down what he's doing, and and like I said, I can I can whatever shred over anything, but it, like but the thing is like you know if you take one note and like okay how do you play that note? How do you when do you know? And and with guitar, I mean yeah. you know, and I'm keep going back to guitar because that's what I do best. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but you can, uh, you know, you can bend the string, you can, you know, you can sustain and use yeah. vibrato, you can, the way you pick the string affects the sound. Um, Dave Wilson, I played a jazz gig with him on Friday, actually played a few jazz gigs with him on Friday, and, and I played after him yesterday with Blues on the Loose. Shout out and, Capona Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah, Capona, yep, yep, Blues, and then I played with Debo the night, um, also a phenomenal artist. Um, but uh, Dave Wilson played before us, and he, he checked out the Blues on the Loose set, and he was like, you know, you're using the same guitar, the same pedals, the same amp, but it sounded different. Like, you know, on Friday, he was like, oh, it sounded more fusion. It sounded mm-hmm. more like, you know, um, light, delicate. Uh, but here, it sounded more like Seagrave on. It was more, you know, and he was like, what were you doing? And I'm like, man, it's the articulation, you yeah. know. On Friday, I was playing jazz, so I was light, light touch, you know. And, and that's how I generally play as a default. But, you know, but when the genre calls for it, you know, with blues on the loose, you got to dig in. Yeah, yeah. It's- yeah. Blues is supposed to be gritty. It's mm-hmm. supposed to get that. Uh, it's yeah. an angst. It's, yeah. it's old people yeah. angst. And also, when you um, when you play jazz, there's a lot of notes to work with. So it's more important about the the melodies. I find seem to be more important. The, the articulation and everything is also very important. Mm-hmm. But like, it's more about like you know how you uh, or the notes you play and how you play the notes, and also the um, the uh, uh, 
harmony and the you know what you're doing with Context, the, right. yeah exactly whereas blues you know you're playing over one chord for however Dude, long and it, oh that is something and I there's only learn. three chords yeah so it's like you have to get a little creative if you just go full out like jazz for like uh the first two measures then what are you going to do for the rest of the song right, exactly it's like if you've already explored all the scales you've got nowhere yeah. left to go yeah so it's like okay you know you break it down what can i do with one note can do with two notes. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what uh, what if these two notes play together? Yeah, well, you know st- stuff like that. And and if you listen to all the you know great albums, like, I didn't realize this, but uh, if, like Money Waters, for example. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. one of the top song of his is, and the, it kind of makes me a little upset, but it's the same thing. Yeah, but it's that the entire song, and it's like five minutes long, mm-hmm. and it and it's, it it never. It, I my ear always wants it to go to the four. Yeah, it's like okay, when is it? <laughs> when is it? Ooh, it just does it. Like, yeah. but it, it, it just jams out, and it's like mm-hmm. that's what blues is. That's what blues boogie woogie yeah. anything like all the licks you hear. They do that for like four measures straight, and it's like mm-hmm. and because at some point it becomes impressive. <laughs> oh yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, and even like um taking a melody and playing the same melody but on a different beat. Yeah. All all of a sudden, it's like, oh, uh, like different notes are emphasized depending on which notes are on which beat. Yeah. So one and three are going to be your strong beats. Two and four are your next strongest. Uh, the notes that you play on those beats, you know, um, like da da da, da da da, you know, the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. what notes you're emphasizing change even if it's the same exact notes that you just played. So uh, kind of exploring that and like I said, the, the way that you play the notes, the articulation, and maybe like you play a note, but you or you play a, a small short melody that you uh, a theme if you will mm-hmm. uh and you end it on a different note it's like oh well, there yeah you know, there's so much you can do without not doing, doing anything doing anything yeah exactly yeah, it's, it's, it's like wait a it's minute <laughs> little, it's literally noodling around yeah and because you can say something without saying something w- uh, with mm-hmm. your guitar yep yeah and piano or whatever you play yeah, whatever you play yeah literally anything. <laughs> i i um, shout out Roots and Blues Festival. I, I went there to the jam session afterwards oh, on, yeah. on that Saturday. And uh, shout, shout out again to uh, Bobby Gentello. Uh, I had known him and I was like, hey, can I hop on the piano? And he said, yeah, come on up here. And I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I I'm not, I'm getting better at hearing things, right? Because yeah. ear is important yeah, when you want to play important. music with multiple musicians. Um, but I didn't know what to do. I was, I was, but they were just hanging on, ba 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 ba. So I was like, mm-hmm. uh, or ba ba, uh, you know, just the the one in the minor third. And I was like, I can play rhythm. I can do that. And mm-hmm. and <laughs> the funny part is when, when they look at you and do a solo, I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> and, and then you just, I just stick on that. And then I add a little licks that I, I you know, I had mm-hmm. pre learned. And this is another thing: learn learn licks in all keys. Um, yeah, definitely helpful. Definitely helpful. <laughs> it's easier on guitar because you can just move the right, lights in whatever key. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but... I have to change fingerings, Sorry. but whatever. <laughs> um, well, thankfully, every 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 good guitarist plays an E or A. Or it D, is true. Right? <laughs> oh no, not, um, not, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it, and just knowing, oh, I, I know it's blues. I can get away with not doing anything but doing something. And being very very relaxed and adding what, what whatever little licks that would fit at the moment, and mm-hmm. then just look back and say, "Take it." <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that, like I said, that um, playing a solo is a composition. You it are is. composing in On, real time. In real time, and mm-hmm. it's a skill you, I think, you should absolutely spend most of your time on. 
Yeah, because uh, I think if you're a songwriter or a composer, I mean, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's, you can't really get any you know more creative than that. <laughs> Even if you're not, you're not going to play the same song, you know, the same way a million different times. Is you're going to be in different contexts. You're going to play a song differently in a, in a concert hall than you are at a bar, than you are sure. at your home, than you are at you know just a random jam that at the bonfire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Learn and learn, or improvise. See where where you can go with things. It's gonna make you a better musician. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, highly recommend. So, yeah. Um, let's see here. We're talking about themes. Talking about improvisation. Um, hmm. One thing uh, that I find is very helpful when you. Oh, yeah, actually, along the lines of that, as a composer, a lot of people tend to stick with what instrument they play. So they play. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. I play guitar. That's what I do. And you know, maybe I play blues guitar and that's all I do. I play blues guitar. And it's like, you know, um, experimenting with different genres, but also different instruments can be a huge, huge. thing. Yeah. Yes. And I met so many great composers and my composition instructor, Dr. Morell, um, and the people that he would recommend uh, that they compose. But I knew a trumpet player who composes that plays ideas on upright bass. I mean, he's not an upright bass player, but right. like by any means, yeah. But right. he composes, and even um, even uh, Dr. Justin Morell uses um, piano, for example, and that's something I've been getting better at and mm-hmm. using, trying to use. Um, and uh, on the song we listened to earlier, I did a lot of the synthesizer and piano and keyboard parts on that one. Um, Nate Petley did all the more the complicated, complicated stuff. stuff. Yeah, like the other song that we have. Um, but yeah, I think it's super important to uh, improvise and like uh, come up with ideas on instruments you might not be comfortable with. I mean, obviously, not everybody can sit there and have a whole band's worth of equipment. Right, but of course. You know, if you're a guitar player, you should probably have a bass at least. At like, least, yeah, like, at least one. It's gonna come in handy too if you ever write music. Yeah, you know, it's right, just a it's useful just tool. Um, but uh, I find using bass to write music can be um, helpful because it's a limiting factor. Now you only have four strings. Now the frets are further apart. Um, and, so. it, and it's completely different. Like, uh, it in in many ways it's limits, but it's also expanding as well. Yeah, because I you can only do so much on a piano that sounds that's you mm-hmm. know been done. Granted, most things have. Well, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of things have been done on piano right. and guitar, yeah. right? Uh, and there's just the way that's voiced. It's completely right. different. You can do you can have so much more range if you use either instrument depending on what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are certain chord voicings that. You just can't play on piano, but you can play on guitar, and, and definitely sounds... a lot of voicings you can play on. Yeah, and and yeah, even the timbre. Like I yeah. found, yeah, and that's actually a very interesting fact too. Timbre, and especially as a guitar player, and and even a piano player with keyboard and patches, mm-hmm. um, even using the instrument you play with a different timbre. Like if you play piano and you're trying to come up with ideas, and maybe you're hitting a dead end, and you're like, I I have this concept that's not working. Try an organ patch. Maybe yeah, the like, sustain is what you need, or the aggressive sound, or you know, maybe you need a clav clavinet, um, mm-hmm. you know, clavichord sound. Uh, um, and then on guitar, it's the same deal. Like you know, maybe you know you're trying to compose on an acoustic guitar, and there are some limiting factors or timbre that you're just not getting. Maybe an electric guitar is the answer, or have, a different electric guitar. <laughs> if you want to know why guitarists have so many guitars. Yeah, that's the reason <laughs> they all sound completely different, and um, yeah, and different guitars inspire different ideas. I yeah. find myself, you know, playing the same exact thing differently on different instruments, and on the album, I mean, I use 
for the melody of the song we listened to, I used my uh, Gibson Firebird, which has mini humbuckers. It has a very punchy, bright sound. I felt like it got closer to a trumpet sound, which is kind of what I was emulating or going for. Um, and uh, other instruments in that section, you hear um, a, uh, a clavichord, I'm pretty sure, a clavinet, uh, clavinet um, uh, a keyboard sound, and then electric bass and drums. Um, but uh, later in the song for the guitar solo, I actually used the Charvel Pro Mod, which is just a very expressive smooth instrument you can you know it, it's an instrument that gets out of the way of what you're doing and lets you play but the problem with that is if it lets you play too much then you can overplay so yeah. certain instruments that are harder to play like different setups with a higher action um can inspire different things um but it's just a matter of you know um you know with guitar players it's a matter of having the right tool for what you're doing and yeah. i find myself using all kinds of different instruments for all kinds of different shows um i mainly like to use my fender strat that i um, ripped apart and modified a bunch of times. Uh, but for Beehive at Dutch Apple, which is 60s you know, pop music, I was using my Firebird. I thought that had a better sound for that. And for Rock of Ages, it was the Charvel Pro Mod because I needed an instrument that would let me basically play like really difficult shreddy guitar stuff uh, for nine times a week. Um, <laughs> so I needed an instrument that was just like, all right, you know, play what you need to play and you know, I'll just be here being an instrument. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, we're kind of running out of radio time, so where can people find you? Okay, yeah. So I'm on uh, Spotify. Um, I'm on uh, YouTube Music, of course, uh, all those different things. Um, uh, the albums that I currently have that are most recent are um, Retry, Re-Try by AP3, which is my Fusion album I released earlier this year. Um, and then as far as Tony Wayne goes, I only have the one album that I did, which is called Out of Thin Air. Mm. Um, so, uh, and that album came out in 2019, but that's on all the major platforms. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, and, um, yeah. And then gig, on gig, 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 you know, uh, gigs coming up. Yep. Facebook. Oh, gigs coming up. Yeah. So let's see. Let me check my calendar. Uh, I gig a lot, so it gets a little excessive. Uh, Dutch Apple. I'm playing Chicago right yep. now for a few more weeks. So that's, um, 20s style. I'm playing banjo and ukulele and mandolin. I'm not actually playing guitar. Uh, but this week I have a sub in and I'm playing at Midtown Cinema in Harrisburg on Thursday. Uh, some solo jazz stuff. Friday I'm with Los Monstrous, uh, which is a Latin band that I play in, Latin Fusion. And they're at the Appel Center in York um, on Friday. Saturday I'm playing, ooh, with Good Sue for all the local people. Uh, Good Sue at 551 uh, West. Um, which is 551 West King Street in Lancaster, PA. Mm -hmm. Good Sue's one of the original bands I play in, and we are a lot of fun, and everybody in the band's a lot of fun. John Godinez, the person I mentioned, plays in that band. Uh, and also, um, uh, Mike uh, is like a co-lead guitar player, and he's also really, really good at guitar, too, so you hear two really good guitar players. Yeah, and that's those are all the big ones. I have some other gigs here. Um, well, we have one of the... Uh... Another one of your songs that we'll play yeah. to go, go back to the radio with. Talk to me about to uh, talk to me about the chase. Okay, so the chase is a two and a half minute banger. Um, this song, so the album uh, right after Prince Prospero, the story takes a turn and talks about the castle that Prospero is holding his party in, and the castle has all these themed rooms that are all drastically different 
you know, colors and decorations. So what I did is I used those ideas to come up with songs for each room. So the song, the blue room, for example, is a sad kind of song. And the, you know, the purple room is very passionate sounding. And I, I use that to um, explore different composition techniques using the color and the idea and the concepts of that. And this song is all of those songs uh, combound into one song. So you hear every single one of those themes in this heavy rock kind of banger. Um, and, uh, and yeah, all those themes you go through and, uh, and what is it? Oh, right. This is a part in the story where, uh, the red death is chasing Prospero through all mm. these rooms. So when we talk about the rooms, it's just like, okay, these are the rooms and this is what they look like. This is where, okay. You know, Prospero actually Prospero is chasing the red death because he's not very happy that he's at his party. Um, so he's actually chasing the red death through all these rooms. So as he goes through these rooms, you hear the themes change. But it's That's still the same feel. The mm -hmm. All the melodies are exactly the same yeah. as uh, the rooms, but it's a very different feel. And some of the melodies have changed to minor um, to add more emphasis to what's happening, more chaos. Mm -hmm. And you'll also hear an organ feature. All of the organ was done by Nate Petley um, on the song. Once again, phenomenal keyboard player and just crazy. Um, like really blown away that he was able to play this stuff because I wrote it out in sheet music. And he was just like, I can play this, I think. Like awesome, he's phenomenal. So yeah, that's the uh, the chase. This who dares, who dares insult us with this blasphemous mockery? Seize them and unmask them. the chase yeah yep so it's, it's a banger <laughs> so be sure to uh check out 
Tony Wayne on all, everywhere. Yep. His this album is coming out next month. Yep, in October, and I'll I'll be dropping the first song from the album this Friday, um, so you'll hear the the Opus statement, I guess, and then the the entire album will be out on October first on all major streaming sites. And for those listening on the radio, we're going to continue this conversation on Facebook Live. So if you want to follow us, you can search up the story Corey Rosen C O R Y R O S E N. You can find us anywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you do your streaming or anything. If you want to check out all of our past or future uh, guests and events, you can go over to facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen or on Instagram at at the underscore story underscore podcast. And we're going to get you guys back to the radio. All right, so... General questions I have for you. You right. play a lot all the time. That is true. What are some of the dangers that can happen? Okay, so any instrument, I think, at least most instruments, um, you can like, definitely wear on your hands and the muscles and stuff can cramp up. So um, uh, in my left hand particularly, I get a lot of fatigue. So it's it's very important to do stretches and warm-ups. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really important to do that. As far as like um, other things too to watch out for, it's definitely important to take care of your instruments. Uh, you know, if you play guitar, you should restring the strings often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, piano seems to be pretty self sustaining um, for the most part. If it breaks, it's like it's broken. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. So um, so as far as that goes, it's, you know. Um, uh, but you know, any stringed instrument, any reed instrument, you should take care of your reeds. Um, and instruments in general, you should take care of and respect your instruments. Um, as far as playing out, I've never had anything stolen, uh, knock on wood, uh, but obviously you should keep an eye out for your equipment. You shouldn't just leave it places. Um, you know, I don't think most people respect, you know, most people do say, respect instruments. And I found like people, even who don't play, are just like, okay, that's an instrument, so I should treat it with respect. Right. Yeah. But you have to just be careful with that. Um, you know, uh, that's very important. So there's a lot of wear and tear that goes in the instruments, and it's important to have uh, technicians take a look at your instruments to make sure that they're right. Yeah. Yep. If you catch a problem earlier, it's a lot easier to fix than if you wait for something to go wrong. Yeah. So, no. You know, maybe once a year, take it to get it set up at a shop that you trust. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, doing shows all the time. What's one of the funniest or worst? Things that ever happened to you on a show? Oh no, uh, <laughs> there are definitely a lot. Uh, oh man, well, you see, well, there one thing that happens and just it happens occasionally is you know you're at a show, you're at a gig, and you have the set list, and you learn the set list, and then they're like, "Hey, do you know the song?" And like sometimes you know it, and sometimes you don't, and sometimes you really don't. <laughs> and like you know, if they're like, "Oh, it's easy," you'll hear the changes. So. Um, I've definitely had some situations where like I don't know the song and it usually works out, which is good. You know, use your ears and play. Yeah, right. It's like, um, if you know the genre, <laughs> you can kind of guess. Yeah. But sometimes you're wrong when our, you guess. Our old training in your school, if you are a music major, our old training is very helpful. It's so like, important. Oh, so many people I know are just like, oh, I didn't like that. I'm like. Yeah, but you need to like learn it because it it's very it's, helpful. It's painful to get through for sure, but the <laughs> the rewards are infinite. You yeah. you're gonna have that ear forever. Mm-hmm. And if you can hear the um the pitches or not, you don't you don't need to hear like oh this is an E note or this right. Is you don't have to have that good of an ear, mm-hmm. but if you can find the root note and then yep, that's literally it. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. And then you know having that reference and having yeah. that um oral knowledge to know okay this is a this um a third interval away. from there exactly yeah. yep and that that you can transfer to chords. So if you are a chordal instrument, 
you can hear that change and go, oh, okay, we're at the one chord, we're at the mm-hmm. five chord now, we're at the four chord, whatever, you know. Um, and obviously if it, it's an out of key chord, like it's a little bit more advanced, but um, but for the most part, it either sticks to that or maybe the occasional modally borrowed chord. You might hear a minor four in a major key, which mm-hmm. is, it just happens. Which is you know. very predictable sometimes mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, so. So you, when, and you should you know, work on being able to hear that. So I've had some situations where that's happened. Uh, most embarrassing Oh boy! Were... I mean, I've definitely had some embarrassing situations. Uh, uh, there was a show where um, where the drummer just didn't really know what they were doing, uh, or I, I think they knew what they were doing, but what they were doing was very poor in taste. Which mm. don't be poor in taste, please. Right? No, no. no <laughs> if you're it's... a musician out there, don't play with poor taste. No, I, um... you're absolutely right. It, no matter what instrument yeah. you're playing, don't play what's at least what makes sense. The, yeah, right. Play what makes sense. Anything extra time and a place right 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 and i mean if it's if it if it's out there and it's cool it's one thing but like you have to like read your you know read, read the surroundings your audience, yeah and oh yeah exactly and definitely read the band like you should be following the band leader i'd say you know that was probably one of the worst um because it was a full show um and it was just like certain things were just weird and just Never not dropped the guitar uh drop the guitar no uh, i've gotten close um i use dunlop strap locks hashtag not sponsored um <laughs> dunlop strap locks and they're really secure and they're great because if you for whatever reason take off your strap and don't have your guitar strap but someone else does the dunlop strap locks have an actual hashtag not sponsored um uh have an extra thing that you can actually put a normal strap on your guitar if oh, you need wow. to which is that's great good. that's awesome but i just generally leave the guitar strap on the guitar because i feel like i'd probably lose it if i didn't but um but those are really secure i've never had issues with them i've had man on my main guitar i've had them on for like six or seven years and i just it, it's never fallen um off the strap which is great um yeah so no i don't think i've ever dropped the guitar i've had oh i've had guitars knocked over oh yeah that's once again watch deep. your instruments yep. at gigs people don't intentionally usually take them or break them no but, but you know people happen. are walking and things happen so yeah like uh um i'm notoriously bad at bringing a guitar stand at almost every gig because i usually have one guitar so i'm like right. i don't need a guitar stand i be on me. gonna be holding this guitar for the whole time but, yeah, in between around. sets yeah yeah exactly so it's important now, usually it's not fatal. Guitars are pretty um, durable instruments. But if you sit there with, like, you know, a saxophone, put it on a stand and get a nice stand. Get a Hercules hashtag not sponsored stand. Um, sorry. No, 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 this is good advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hercules stands, they're just, they're well known and they work very well. Um, so, you know, make sure you take care of your instruments. Uh, it's very important. What's one of the best pieces of advice anyone's ever given you? Best piece of advice? Um, well... That's a really tough one. Single best piece of advice. Definitely have a lot of individual pieces of advice. Um, let's see here. I guess I would say uh, do your homework. That's probably what like, well, no, legitimately. <laughs> like before the gig, you know, but also do your homework at home. But um, like, you know, learn if, if you show so rehearsals are rehearsals, they're not practice a lot yeah. of people i mean if, if you're yeah. in a band where you're creating music or whatever that's it, practice but practice, yeah. if you're at a in a professional setting no matter how much you're getting paid you know if you're there for free if you're there for ten dollars if you're there for two hundred dollars you know it doesn't matter do your homework and show up prepared um you know i'd say that and as far as yeah yeah do your homework and i guess uh in line with that as far as being prepared um definitely have the equipment necessarily necessary necessary to do the job mm-hmm. so 
uh, you know, you want to make sure that your equipment is durable. It holds up. You want to make it sure works. that, you know, and I actually just remembered, sorry to go back to the go earlier question. I just remembered my most embarrassing moment. It happened during Rock of Ages. And the, see, this is better because this is a me thing. Like, you know, when someone yeah, else is yeah, like, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, do your job. It doesn't matter who you're playing with. If it's not good, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Your job is to do your job well. Yes. But you can't do your job well when strings break. So for <laughs> Rock of Ages, for whatever reason, well, actually, I know the reason. So I, I was using my Charvel Pro Mod, which is one of the most durable, one of the most, you know, just best instruments as far as like, hey, this is a guitar that just gets out of the way and does the job, like I mentioned before. Um, because the show calls for dive bombing and heavy whamming, which I pretty much never really do, like maybe like some like light, you know, vibrato right. for David Gilmore, but I also like just, you know, use my finger for that. You know, you can do vibrato without a whammy bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, this show calls for a lot of that. It's like a lot of dive bombing and whammying and all that. And for whatever, well, you know, like I said, I do know the reason. Um, the thick strings, the low sounding strings, the ones that are heavily wound, were breaking because it would rock on the saddle while I was whamming, and it would actually start to slice through the strings. And wow. I was breaking, I think, uh, you know, three or four strings a week at some point for this show. Now it was heavy guitar. It was a lot of guitar. It was shreddy guitar, right. and it was a lot of whamming. So like, there's that. Um, but probably the most embarrassing string break that happened is there's a moment in that show where I go to the front of the stage to play the solo of Don't and Stop Believing, right, which yeah. everybody knows, yep. and I have to play it. Yeah, I, I play that as written because I'm like, okay, the people in the you audience or whatever. To, yeah. So I'm walking, and I and I meet um, Stacey Jacks, who I don't get along with in the show, in the middle, and then we high-five. Like, hey, it's all good. Yeah, we figured it out. Um, but what happened was my string broke as I was walking up. <laughs> I played the first note of the solo, and the low E string, the low sounding, the thick mm-hmm. E string, uh, not the thin one, the thick one snaps. And normally that's not a big deal. You just play the rest of the solo, right? Yeah. But with a floating bridge like the Sarvels and like any kind of shreddy guitar have the floating whammy bars, so you can do the up bends too. Um, it uh, what happens is there are springs that hold the bridge in place, and the springs jut back because now there's no pressure on, on that string. string yeah. So all of the notes are out of tune. Um, oh no! So I'm sitting there like, what do I do? And I'm just like walking across, like, what do I do? So I'm just like making noise on the guitar, you're, you're, like you're looking back, panicking. Like, yeah, okay, okay, I gotta keep going. I <laughs> and, think. And the sound person was like, they said that I just looked up in the audience with a sad look on my face and just. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that was so embarrassing. And like people were just cheering anyways, and well, I was just like, know, they don't care. Oh my god! Like, and I, I have a backup guitar, but what do I do? Like, right. I can't switch to my backup when I'm in the front of the. Start walking you know, and you walk back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like 15 feet away from my backup. I just give Stacey Jacks a high five. I'm like, yeah. And then I like run back so I can get my backup guitar and play the rest of the song. I was like, oh my goodness, what? <laughs> so that was, that was horribly, horribly it's horrifying. Um, yeah. And just like absolutely uh, embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. And I was like, it wasn't my fault or no, anything. Like, not, it, right. you know. I did everything right, but sometimes you do everything right and it doesn't work out. Uh, yeah, right. No, it's absolutely the case. But you did the right thing. You kept going. Yeah, you got to just keep yeah, doing something. Stop, yeah, right? yeah. I tried to. Yeah, don't stop believing. Uh, but uh, I right. tried to. I tried to play the solo as uh, I was like, I'll pen the notes in tune, and it's like, oh no, this is this really is, out. It's yeah, it's like this is really bad, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> just make some noise, do some shreddy stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, and. and even even then, when you're at like a performance or something, you oh, you yeah. can also be a crowd raiser. You can just you can, you can if your instrument breaks, 
you know, you go like, oh, yeah, you know, just keep going. Be, yeah. a, be a performer, right? Because mm-hmm. performing is part of your job anyway. Oh, 100%. And, right? So you got to gotta be a performer. You got to mm-hmm. be a crowd uh, engager. Be a cheerleader. Do, you know, do oh, stuff yeah. like, yeah. Be, it reminded like, me. There was a scene earlier or at another show where my string broke when there was a scene with Stacey Jacks where he's kind of like giving the band crap because the whole thing. I mean, if you haven't That's seen Rock of Ages, though. it's 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 ridiculous, but it's really funny. Um, yeah, Stacey Jacks is like, you know, being a jerk and he's like, I'm playing stuff and he's like shoving me back because I'm trying to make my way up to the front of the stage. And my string broke in that song right before I'm supposed to push him off stage. So what I did is I pushed him off stage and I'm like, he broke my string. Yeah, right, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, now I got to switch guitars because I got to play the rest of the song. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, yeah, you got to keep, you got to go with the flow. You got to, yeah. I, I watched the, um, I think I mentioned to you, I watched the story with JP, who's my boss mm. at Dutch Apple, who's the director for it. And he mentions, you know, things go wrong. Sometimes yeah, there's power wrong. outages and like stuff, you know, breaks, but you just have to keep going, you know? Yeah. So. Don't ever stop the show. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, uh, you, and some people will say, well, acknowledging the problem is... No, stopping the show. You're going to acknowledge mm-hmm. the problem and do it tastefully. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Uh, like, like you said, uh, he broke my string. You know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Make it part of the bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the worst thing you could ever do is stopping. Yeah, you, you have to keep going. You <laughs> have to keep going. Because the, at the end of the, at the, end of the, the point is, the world, the world doesn't revolve around you, right? Right, right, right. And you can't stop something because because that's gonna that's just then the audience knows then, then the audience knows something is wrong. they probably then, thought it was really funny yeah and, they probably <laughs> thought it was really funny and then when, and then yeah. it, and then when everything stops it becomes serious it's awkward and it's, it's like, like oh yeah yep. yeah just just keep going keep going to the flow uh do your crowd work do whatever you need you have to and then whenever you have that break fix it Yep. Yeah. No, exactly. nobody, nobody would be the wiser. Yeah. JP mentioned, yeah, there's stuff goes wrong. And if you if you fix it, you know, people don't know. They don't know the difference. You know? Yeah. They, don't they know won't the know. They it's won't not know. like they know that they, like, they probably haven't seen right, the show exactly. before, or at least not recently, or at least not the iteration. Like, they probably thought my string was supposed to break there. <laughs> like, and, and if you stop, if, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And if and if you stop, people are going to remember that more. Oh, yeah. 100%. Than, right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're going to be like, oh, that wasn't very. Yeah. It was like, that was awkward. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Like, Stacey Jacks just falls off stage. I didn't push him because I was like, I guess I you know. Right, yeah. It's like you got to keep going, keep gotta going. Keep, got to keep going. Yeah. You can't, you got to ignore everything and just keep going, keep going, keep the mm-hmm. show rolling. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you have seen or have you have made yourself and how oh, can we prevent yeah. that for future musicians? <sighs> mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, mistakes happen no matter what. Yeah. Like, you know, you could rehearse it a million times and still make a mistake. Um, well, uh, I'm trying to think of a specific instance. I mean, you, I probably have mistakes in every show I've ever played. Well, um, well of course, but I mean more of like of oh that uh, was brutal. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, in musical theater, uh, and I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific time where this has happened, and not that it happens all the time, right. but like there were some really brutal times um, where I came in where I was not supposed to, and like. When you play, when I play, I play loud and proud. If I know I'm supposed to be in, I'm like, all right, you know, or I think I'm supposed to be in at least. I'm like, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to play this note and it's going to be, it's going to be there. (laughs) You know, I like, I always play confidently, but the problem is if I'm confident, but I like maybe miscounted. Oh yeah. Wait, you know what? That just happened the other day. Um, (laughs) On banjo, of course, the loudest possible instrument and the most obnoxious. So everybody definitely knew that I made a mistake. I mean, or at least I thought I did, or I thought they did. But I've literally played um, 
measure early while the singers were still singing when I was supposed to play like a little like response bit mm-hmm. with the band. Oops, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I played on the downbeat once again, loud and proud, confident C note where there definitely wasn't supposed to be a C note. And you know, you just play it, and you um, what happens to a lot of people is you make that mistake, and then you make mistakes for the rest of the song because now you're like now you're, now you're nervous, yeah. But um, I found that it's best to just forget. Like, yeah, like literally. Well, it happened. Move on. <laughs> no one cares. Don't worry about it. Yeah, say mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is worry about it. Oh yeah, because then you're just gonna make more mistakes, which yes. I've done, and I, I wouldn't be saying it if I haven't done it <laughs> like a million times. Um, yeah, it's like you know you make a mistake. Um, okay, it get happens. out of your head. Yeah, just move get it on. out of your head. Mm-hmm. Stop getting in your head. Stop overthinking because you're gonna you say that one mistake. Oh, jazz. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, find a way to make it, you know. I mean, when you play, like, the reason I mentioned that mistake or, like, those kinds of mistakes is because those are, like, you can't, like, those are bend a note in tune or, right. like, you it, know. It, you're just wrong. Resolve the, eight, you know, dissonant atonal note. Like, you can't no, you, fix it. Right. Like, it's it's a note that wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you were just wrong, and now you had to deal with that. Yeah, you and, have to accept it and just kind of go, okay, well, that happened, and now I'm going to play the rest of the song without any mistakes. It was just a precursor. Uh, oh, and then in, in musical theater, yeah, when you do that, um, even in shows, I mean, I probably shouldn't, especially when I'm on stage, I take my pencil, I circle it, and I make sure I don't do it again. <laughs> like, you know, I'll make, you know, however many mistakes in a whole show run at Dutch Apple, we do kind of longer runs, and mm-hmm. there's like seven to nine shows a week, you know, and I'll make a good amount of mistakes, and like I said, you just have to keep going, but also, like, I circle them in the book, so I usually, usually don't make the same mistake twice. Right. I say usually because sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm really happens. bad at counting for whatever reason <laughs> like that day. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, count, count your measures, count your rests. Um, when you're no not supposed count. to play and you play, it's probably the worst kind of mistake, I think. But, you know, if you're supposed to play and you play something wrong. Um, That's fixed. Oh, what's, yeah, what's his name, the bass player? Uh, there's a really good jazz bass player who says you're never more than a half step away from a right note. I mean, right, think, think yeah. of the major scale. It's whole, whole, yep. half. Whole, whole, whole half. There's no whole and a half away unless you're playing a, um, color. a diminished scale. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you play a wrong note, if you go up or down to the next chromatic note, you're probably going to play a right note. And it sounds like you did it on purpose because you yeah, resolved it. you resolved it. Exactly. Usually it resolves up. So if you play a wrong note, I recommend just going go to the next, yeah. the next half step up. Um, yeah, and there, it might not be the best sounding note, but you're going to be at least in the right key, which is right, you know, the least you can ask for, right? <laughs> what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started? Um, that's a good question, too. Well, this is kind of cliche. Well, I don't know. Go well, for it. Uh, like, um, Even cliches are important. That is true. Uh, I'd say like, you know, uh, the instrument that you play in matters a lot less than how you play or what you play. Um, I know a lot of guitar students I teach. Um, I know a lot of students who, um, are like, I need this guitar cause, uh, it's going to help me play better or whatever. And I mean, I, everybody does that. And I mean, yep. to be yeah. fair, like we talked about earlier, there are different timbres and there is a certain point where it does make sense. Yes. But you, you gotta get good first. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you're when you're starting off, like there's no need to like want something that is really I mean you can want something, but it, it should be like something you work towards and you shouldn't like, you know, you shouldn't put off getting better because you don't have that the one right instrument equipment. That you right. Want. Yeah. And, yeah. And you're probably gonna learn way much way more having to deal with the limits that the guitar you're gonna mm-hmm. buy anyway. Yeah. It's and 
don't get in your head. This is a conversation we've had on multiple topics. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Get started. Yeah. You can only go up, right? Mm-hmm. Just get started. Because if you don't start today, mm-hmm. if I didn't start this in April, I might have started it in June. And guess where I would have been in June? I wouldn't have been here right now. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have the amount of experience. Keep putting the, it off. Like yeah, waiting the, for that one piece of equipment. Like, oh, I can't do that unless I have this. It's like, well, you, what can you do, though? Yeah, what, what? find out your workarounds. You're going to become so much more smarter. And you're going to be become much more of a resource to people who have no idea what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, oh, well, you can actually just do this. And and it's gonna be way easier to advance because now you know okay this is where I started now I can don't you know like the only said the only place to go up the best time to start anything was yesterday mm-hmm. and that's that's, that's yep. when you got to do and the it. next best is today yeah right yeah <laughs> you know it's just one of those things and like don't get like you know don't get um you know find ways to make what you have work and I think you'll find that what you have will do a lot. You know, maybe even things that you never knew you could. And I mean, there are limitations to that. For Rock of Ages, I needed the whammy bar, and right. for example. So, like, I'm sitting there playing on, like, a guitar without a whammy bar. I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't be able to play what's written. And, uh, you know, and so sometimes you have to do that. Um, but, like, you know, for a show that calls for that much, it's like, okay, this is excessive. I need to right. actually, like, have the right instrument for this. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something. But, um, but also, like, if you're, like, you know, like we were talking about, if you're starting off, there's really no need for that. Um, you can pretty much get everything you need out of one thing. And with technology now, like, geez, man, like I know so many starter people who buy like modeling amps and they like have no idea how to get things working. And it's like, if you just look into your gear and research it a little bit, you'll find that like even like a hundred dollars, a million reddits, there's a million quoras. Oh yeah. YouTube videos. There's resources out there. And, even me as an instructor, I encourage my students to bring equipment in if there's like, hey, you know, this isn't working for me. And I'll take a look and I'll see if, you know, oh, well, it's, you know, this part isn't adjusted right. Or, oh, you need to tweak this on your amp to make it work. You know, it's one of those things. I'm, I don't mind doing that in lessons. I yeah. think that's important. It's part of the, the skill. Mm-hmm. So yeah. last question. You've had many teachers over your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is one of the most memorable lessons you've learned? Memorable lessons. Well, first, shout out to the teachers, because I, I think that's very important. Uh, my uh, guitar teacher was Randy Rhodes. And really, his name's Randall Rhodes, but that's I just cool. think it's funny, because, you know, he's not the one from uh, um, from uh, uh, Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that. Um, oh! But but he is... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're a piano player, you're like, who's Randy Rhodes? I'm like, no, 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 no. he's a very famous, like, shred 70s guitar player um, who sadly passed away, so it is obviously not that Randy Rhodes. It's a different mm-hmm. Randy Rhodes, but... Also, a very good guitar player, and I respect him a lot. And he's, he got me started in high school when I was playing guitar. And he's the one who set me up at Lebanon Valley College, where I took lessons from Joseph Mixon, uh, who is a, a phenomenal jazz guitar player. And just I learned tons and tons of stuff. As far as learning, I think it's very important to show up to lessons and ask questions, because sometimes your teachers won't... Like, as a teacher, I don't want to sit there and have to, like, they can't put all the point. effort in like i don't know like i need to know what you want to do like how am i yeah. going to teach you if i don't know your goals like um, so i always ask him like what are your goals what do you want to do it's like i want to play this song i'm like oh learn how to play that song okay great the best way for you to learn is to tell your teacher what you need to learn mm-hmm. the teacher's just going to go off of whatever basic curriculum that they've been doing for whatever that they've found works yeah. right exactly you Which, nothing come, wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. That's the, I mean that's 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 what they're there to do. If, mm-hmm. if nothing else. Yeah. But if if you're not going there asking questions or setting and fair enough to the teachers as well, you got to ask these questions as right. well. But to the student, 
if you're paying to learn something, mm-hmm. ask questions. It's exactly. you're literally paying. This is their job. Mm-hmm. It's and people be like, oh, I don't want to bother. It's their job to be bothered. Yeah, yeah. Like we want to be bothered. We want to know what you want to learn, and that's how you get the most out of lessons, and that's how you learn the most, especially the most of what you want to learn. Because you know, if if you have a very specific goal and you aren't expressing that in lessons, you know, you're gonna teach. You're gonna learn like the fundamentals, which is fine. Which is and fine. the fundamentals are very important to know. But if you can kind of fine tune that a lot of teachers are more than willing to fine tune their curriculum to work Do for you. what you want to learn. And I, I'm one of those. I definitely, I will, I will change my teaching to fit your needs. You know what I mean? So I think any teacher and my teachers definitely did that a lot. Um, especially, you know, Randy Rhodes, uh, not really a jazz guy, but I wanted to learn jazz. So I wanted to audition for jazz band. So he put his, you know, standard subsidies like, all right, well, we're going to learn some jazz. And it's like, he, he does understand and play jazz obviously. And, um, just, a, a incredibly intelligent person both of them uh but you know learning that was was very helpful so shout out to them shout out to um all the teachers that i worked with um josh tyndall and um and uh um like i said justin morell and composition uh just all these uh teachers and all the other uh, teachers that i worked with uh through college um but uh most important lesson was the question right yes sorry about that uh most important uh lesson so let's see here that's a really tough one too because I think lessons aren't about any single moment per se. Like I no, can't, I mean yeah. When I say lesson, I mean like a concept or oh, moral or okay. something like that. Okay, I, but I did use that to have you shout out your teachers for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. But, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, as, teachers teach way more than right. skill. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, in just knowledge and just mm-hmm. everything. Um. Well, I think concept-wise, one of the most helpful lessons that I had, at least on the guitar specifically, was learning the modes um, up the guitar neck. So modes are, are important in theory. Um, yes. So, But on guitar specifically, they are incredibly important because if you learn every scale, every mode um, in the key of G, for example, going up the guitar neck in different positions, uh, double octave scale, you learn... Every single pattern that happens on the guitar. Earlier, we talked about oh, how. Really? Yeah, you remember how I talked about how you can play the same lick in different keys yeah. the same way on the guitar. Unlike piano, where you have different keys, um, if you learn um, the major scale and, uh, or I mean, if you learn, yeah, the major scale uh, modally up the guitar neck, even if you only learn the key of G, you will know every diatonic, meaning any right, yeah. any scale within a key. You will learn um, all of them because the the matter of the fact is that if you know the G major scale in second position, double octave, you can take it up and play it in seventh position, and now it's the D major scale. I remember my. Um, Do you mean mode as in like Ionian, Dorian? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the modes, yeah, it's a basically you take the key of G is what the one I I like to use because yeah. it's the easiest to play on guitar, and you play closed position. You don't use any of the open strings. You play the G major scale in second position, and then you go up to fifth position and you play the A Dorian mode, which is which the is G, just major, G scale. major scale starting on A. A. Yep, which isn't very helpful on piano because no, it's not. You know, it's like you already know the notes. Like, once you know the accidental and you know the finger pattern of the major scale, it's kind of like, well, that you know, I could just start here and do yeah, the same yeah. thing. But on guitar, it's different because you only need to learn one version of each mode to play in any key. Really? Yeah. 
uh, I can play any Dorian mode using the same exact fingering if I just start on a different fret. <laughs> Which is why I prefer the guitar over piano as far as theory goes. No, no, makes... no offense, but... <laughs> no, that, I, I've, I've just realized the amount... I've or Over time, I've, I've realized, like, guitars, like... Cause it, you know, guitar's like the cliche instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so, it's the reason why, because it's such a good instrument. Yeah, it's it, incredible. And I mean, there are things on the piano that are better. Right, of course. Like, visualizing what's going on and what yes. notes are accidentals. Because here's the thing. Um, if you look at a guitar neck, like, there's no differentiation between what notes are flats and the sharps or natural. Besides like, the dots. Yeah, oh, and, and the dots are just harmonic hotspots right, along the string. So that's more of a reference of what position are you in, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So. Um, in the position, by the way, for guitar player listeners um, who don't know, the position is where finger one is at. That tells you what position yes. you're in. On guitar, it's obviously different on violin and different instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So on the guitar, if you learn the modes, and that's part of my teaching curriculum, I like make sure I pretty much always teach the modes because if you know the modes, you can play pretty much anything. And any of the you know rock solos that you're learning and stuff, they're following these diatonic patterns. I mean, you really only lose that when you start to get isn't in a tonal like if you're trying to play john cage the modes aren't going right, to help you course. but no tonal theory is going to help you at that point. Saying, so <laughs> nothing is going to help you for playing john cage sometimes yeah. you don't even have to play yeah to play john cage yeah it's like uh, four minutes and 33 seconds you just stare at the piano <laughs> like okay great yep. you know what i mean so at that point it's like okay and and um, you think we're joking we're not <laughs> yeah check it out for what is it is it literally called it, 433 yes it yeah. literally is yeah <laughs> um so it's like you don't need you know, obviously in that, at that point you're uh, at the most absurd level of composition and your theory isn't going to help you <laughs> yeah, in these lands <laughs> jazz, it's level seven jazz that's what it yeah is. jazz now jazz is interesting because the modes do help in jazz course, yes. but in a different way um because there is some tonal um or a lot of tonal aspects in jazz jazz um until you get to really avant-garde is pretty much like the same rules as classical theory just Sped up a little Sped bit. Up a little bit. You have your two five ones, um, but the keys change every other measure. So, so. yeah, learn, learn your two five ones. Oh yeah, wanna... satin doll. Yeah. Learn satin doll. Satin kids. doll. <laughs> yeah, that's the that song one. to learn. You get two five one in like six different get, keys. So I gotta, get a, I gotta get a standard book. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. So you yeah learn your two five ones. I mean, and that, that's it's basically the same rules as classical theory. It's just you know you're playing in this key now, and you're playing in this key now and you know and um the keys change so you have to kind of go with the flow <laughs> and then you can get to some advanced jazz where you start to modify and but the modes are used for that you have um uh lydian phrygian uh or lydian dominant um rather sorry uh lydian dominant where you have the raised fourth which is in the lydian mode but the dominant seventh which is in the um mixolydian mode. mode um yeah so but you have them both in the same scale so you get to the more dissonant stuff but you're still using these modal terms and even the patterns that you use on the guitar neck in specific um, will still help you in that situation. So I find the modes to be incredibly helpful and useful in a lot of, I mean, any situation, really. I use them when I'm sight reading. I use them when I'm, you know, improvising. It's just it's pretty much every situation the modes come in handy. Um, and using that with your oral theory skills that you learned in college, maybe, or in lessons, um, you can do a lot. There's a lot you can do and pretty much anything you need to do. So uh, I find that to be incredibly helpful. So that was probably the most useful thing I learned. And I learned them when I was in high school, but taking lessons with Joseph Mixon at Lebanon Valley College. So what I would do, oh, yeah, actually, when I took lessons, I took lessons with multiple instructors through college and everything. I took, you know, I was taking composition with um, uh, Justin Morell, but I was taking jazz composition with 
um, uh, Josh Tindall, an incredibly good jazz organ and piano player. Um, and what I would do is I would take the same compositions and get two different perspectives on them. Mm. What do you think of this? Oh, well, you know, this person thinks this, this person thinks this, and now I have uh, substance and yep. context, <laughs> which is are very helpful. No, yeah, make sure that's another advice to any musician. Uh, share your songs with your friends. Get their opinions oh, yeah. on it. People are going to enjoy it. Don't ever feel like, oh, they won't listen. They'll listen to it, and mm-hmm. if and it, they'll get around to it. And you should do that because it helps you, and it helps them, and it helps everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I would take everything that your friends say for a grain of salt. Like, oh, of course. Absolutely. Everybody, music is so opinionated. Everybody, yeah. like, this sounds good to somebody. Like, there might be somebody who loves my album. There might be somebody who hates my album. But no matter what, at the end of the day, I like my album, and that's what's that most important. But yeah, when I was working on it, I, I sent it to, um, you know, I was I obviously already graduated college and uh, class of 18, graduated in 2017. Uh, but I sent it to Justin um, Morell, and I was like, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Can you offer any advice when I still had the scores when I was still working on the composition? He's like, you know, and he gave me his opinion and I appreciate it. And you yeah. know, it, was, it was very helpful. So uh, I do that with mixing a lot too. I'm like, you know, I go to all my different mixing people who I know who are good at mixing. And I'm like, if I'm working on something, I'd say, what, sound? You know, what do you think? You know, and you know, cause everybody, everything sounds different to everybody. Yeah. So, um, so getting different opinions is the best way to learn and develop and also, uh, make a product that most people will enjoy most likely, but more importantly, make something that you like mm-hmm. that sounds good. So this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey, Corey Rosen. It's, it's been great. Uh, this is awesome. Where can people find you? Just again. Yep. All right. Uh, so I'm on uh, Spotify, um, all the music, you know, overlords. <laughs> you can check me out on all those. Um, uh, Re-try by AP3. And then um, right now out of thin air by Tony Wayne, but in March, uh, or in March, um, in October, uh, you will hear um, Mask of the Red Death. Once again, on all major platforms, October 1st. And this Friday, I am releasing the first single of the album on all major platforms. You can look it up by, um, it's called The Theme of the Red Death. So it's the mm-hmm. opening statement of the album. And that will be released on Friday, all major platforms. And then you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, I think. Um, all the major things. Um uh, under Anthony Peracini, Tony Wayne, all of them. So, uh, and if you want to know how to spell it, you can look in the description. Hey, as well. description. <laughs> uh, actually, on Instagram, my main just everyday use one is Tony Plays Guitar underscore YouTube because you can also find me on YouTube. There you go. Tony Plays Guitar. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us, you can do so anywhere. You can search up The Story, Corey Rosen, C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you do your streaming. You can find us there. If you want to be up to date with all of our future guests and events, check out our Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast or Facebook.com forward slash The Story, Corey Rosen. Tomorrow, we have a super incredible guest. We have Quentin Jones. He's nice. he's played with the... Uh, Liberty DeVito, Kenny Aronson, some of these people have played for the likes of Billy Joel, Bob Dylan, and, you know, he's been featured in the Rolling Stones magazine. I'm really excited to talk to him. And Thursday we have a local photographer, and he's also local, actually. Uh, We have uh, Vince DeStefano. He's a local photographer. I'm excited to talk to him about all the things that he has to do as a photographer, because photographers are very important to the music industry. Yeah, huge. And Friday we have our Octavia Blues interview going up as well 
So if you want to stay tuned for all those, you can be sure to check them out or check out all of our catalogs of 120 or so hours that we have already. What? <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, there's oh. no way. Oh, I, wow. I know I get talked that awesome. Well, with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll see you guys later. Bye.